you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop pod for all things rugby sevens. Yes, you're back in seventh heaven, up in the clouds with me, Burnsy. I'm joined by Mitch and Chip. As always, we had a real hit of an episode last week with the storytelling of Australia's Chucky Stannard, the second instalment of Burt's Breakdown. She's back this week to give us the lowdown on France Sevens and a few other bits and bobs. Real blast to have her on. But our main guest is also French. He's the most handsome man on the series, a man we've spoken about and got his name wrong multiple times throughout our podding career. It's JP Barat. We're psyched to have him on. But first, boys, I'm saying hello to you. Hello to you too, Burnsy. How are you, my friend? I'm all gravy. I'm always pleased to be up in the pod with you lads and to hear what you've been up to. You're yeah, particularly smiley this evening, Burnsy, and that's uh, it's really lifting my mood. Not that it needed lifting. I've had a good had a good day today. Productive, bit of training. Just did, some, did a talk with some kids on Zoom. An official one. I wasn't just chatting. I wasn't just chatting to random <laughs> yeah. kids on Zoom. Weird, weird. What um what were you chatting about? Uh, sort of like my life journey and leadership was the sort of topic. We had a good discussion. I mean, I don't know if it was a good, it was a good discussion at the end. I'm not sure they were listening because none of them had the cameras on. So for all I know, they were just gaming in the background. So what, were you presenting uh, a case study on leadership from what you learned from Chip in Bermuda? Yeah, that and your leading of your own podcast. Hey, it's our nice. podcast. It's our podcast. Well, it's not apparently. My podcast. Who who's guilty of the my podcast quote? One slip, one slip on Instagram, and you hang me out to dry. We're going to be talking about trolls later on, so don't be part of the noise, eh, Chip? We, we don't forget, Mitch. Real talking quick, of your well, slips what, on Instagram. Uh, oh, go on. oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to talk about Burnsy's Burnsy's spelling mistakes and all the social media output from the pod account. If you're, if you're going to get into me about one typo, then I'm going to release unedited uh, audio of you two erring, umming, and erring. <coughs> so play nicely. Oh, he's relinquished. He's, he's, what's the word? He's just waving his power in our face there. He's flopping the big dick of power in our face is what you're looking for. <laughs> he's, flopping, he's flopping his flaccid piece of power in our face. We don't like it. One bit. <laughs> what a wonderfully visceral image from a man who's clearly seen plenty of these in the Harlequin showers recently. Victory, victory ones at that. Go on, Chip. Put you in the squad, it all turns around, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I um I spent the last two games watching uh, from the sideline with um 
the old seven minute um, cameo at the end but no um, the lads have been going well again this week like Bath's a tough place to go um, obviously a load of history there and we thought there'd be a big fight back from last week when they got pumped by Bristol and and obviously they, they turned up to play and just lucky the lads were right on it this, this week they played really well um, the silky try from uh, Domers hit in the first half I was Ooh. like on the edge of my seat it's one of them like, I get nervous watching them you know like little interplay down the right hand side um, like Mike Brown back inside to Danny and then Danny back inside to um to Domers, I was like, "Oh gosh, please just score, just score!" Uh, no, lads were lads were really well. Um, I know, you, I know. You referenced Carney uh, yourself as Carney last week, but watching that try was like watching Arsenal in their pomp when they used to walk it into the net with about a million passes. I went Danny Kerr through the last one. I was like, "No, no, no!" Don't uh, unbelievable. Well, try. You just compared Quinns in their current squad to the Invincibles of Arsenal, but fair enough. That's could a vibe we're on at the with, moment. With you there, Chippy, who knows? You just need to bloody tell the coaches that you're not you're not limited to a 14 minutes, like in a sevens tournament. You you can play longer than that. You've told them that, have you? Yeah, I told them. So they, they said they were going to bring me on at 60, but then because Marcus Smith went off um, with a head injury, I was covering the backs for the last 20 minutes. Um, so if any of the backs had gone down, I'd have come on on the ding-a-ling, which would have been amazing because it had been against horse. And then obviously Aaron Morris um, got a nasty head injury. Um, and I was thinking, oh God, like I was double worried. I was like, I hope he's all right. And then I was like, oh no, I am actually going to come on on the wing. But because you can bring on someone like for like position-wise, if you're taking off a wing, you can... So uh, Lewis Liner came back on for head injury replacement, which was actually quite lucky. If you're in that situation again and you're covering the backs, if you go on, even if it's on the wing, just make your way to first receiver and just start bossing it from 10. Even if Marcus is still on the pitch. Distributing. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, I'd be on the ding-a-ling for some crossfields. Get me on. I'd love to take That's on true. the the crossfield kick. Oh, mate, Horse, great for, great for him to get his debut. It's good to see after his injury woes over the last few months. He was, he was, yeah, he was really like weird before the game. Like, I don't know if he knew how to react properly. Like, I saw we like, you know, when you walk around the pitch before, when you get to a, a ground, just to, like check what the grass is like, and like, you know what I mean, just like have a look around the stands. Um, he was like kind of a bit coy with me. It wasn't himself, and I was like, oh, I don't know if it's nerves or I don't know if it's like him just being a general weirdo, which he is. Um, and he was like, yeah, right, Chiava. Um, just like really quiet yeah. and I was just like what you're right Chava yeah right Chava and that's what he, he says all the time he probably didn't want his bath mates to see him chatting to you he probably thought they might get into him if he was natting with his sevens pal I was chatting to a couple of the bath lads before and then he walked over and he's like oh that's it that is it that's it is it you're just gonna side with side with Chippy you haven't seen him for five years and you're siding with him picking up ganging up on me again he looked terrible, by the way. Did you see him in his kit? I've never seen a man with higher shorts and low socks. Like, he just looks terrible. But whatever That's he's doing, his body. It's his body, isn't it? You can't polish a turd, mate. I've, I've Words from the horse's mouth, that is. 100%. But he... Um, fair, fair play. He, he did really well when he came on. Um... Like, yeah, so a couple of lads got a bit of a shock. I think that's it, because he looks so bad. You don't expect him to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? You're right. He did. He did pretty epically. What? He was on for about 20 minutes, six carries, beat five defenders, which was the most of anyone in the entire game. So he went all right. Better than you, Chip. Better than you, Chip. Three tackles, one contested loose ball. 
Nice return. One, two turn, one turn, two turnovers. You mean? Do you get a couple of turnovers? Did you? I feel I don't want to brag about it. It's not the best thing I've done this week, anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, please tell me more. Um, at the end of training today, it's it's up there with probably the best things I've ever done in rugby again. Like, I think it's second on the list. Or maybe, I don't know, tied first. The lads, uh, were, we were inside today because the pitch was frozen. So we were just doing like a walkthrough on the basketball courts. And as I'm about to leave, the lads are like, their backs are kicking. Um, so from the bottom left-hand corner of the basketball court into the net, they're trying to aim for the net. Um, to try and swish it in. Uh, and with this, I said, oh, what are we kicking? Right or left foot? Obviously, I'm right footed. I said, oh, we're kicking left foot. So I was like, all right. So I stepped up on the angle. I've only gone and put it in. It's not touched. It's not touched the rim. It's nothing but net. Cross court. All the backs are going mad. I'm running round. It's it's bloody Vegas when I passed it into the net all over again. Probably a bit oh, more hype. That's the stuff that dreams are made of, that. I've got a quote from Joe Marchant saying he feels lucky to even be there to witness it. A direct quote. Just returning to the wreck before we move on, I've seen a bit of footage. Don't ask me where I got it from. It's uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink on the black market of the horse being denied a try on debut because of a butchering of an overlap of the highest order. Have you boys seen this? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen yeah. it. Obviously, watched the game back. It's one of them. Like, I wasn't sure whether it was Horse not giving it to Josh Bayless or Josh Bayless not giving it to Horse because those two are doppelgangers as well. By the way, obviously Josh Bayless has got a bit better rig, but still, he's got the terrible, the terrible South Korean haircut that um, Horse is sporting. Um, it's a, it's a two, it's a two on one. He's got time to get the ball away, and he's stepped in. Um, if there was uh, a Chippy's Law this week. Um, he would be in it for greed. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. The butcher of the wreck. Man, there might even be one for Norse's corner there for him. I'll, I'll do him a special two on how to finish two on ones. Terrible. Terrible to see. Imagine denying someone, oh, denying someone a score on debut. Right. The eternal question, chaps. GB7's update? Care to comment? Yeah, we've all got. We've all been offered big contracts. We're going in this week. We're starting. Um, I'm captain. Um, Johnny Wilkinson is coming in. Uh, Jason Robinson on the dingling, um, and Jason Leonard for an easy surprise call up. Um, and he is social sec taking it off me. So yeah, that that's where we're at at the moment. Massive contracts. Can't wait to start. There's also a documentary. It's on Amazon already. Um, you can watch it uh, behind the scenes. All or nothing. Um, it's all over social media so I'm surprised you didn't know that Burnsy already nice of you to do your homework Burnsy I'm speechless I'm speechless finally an update that I can depend upon and that we can get out there to the people to the next tournament we spoke about it last week Madrid 7s I've got a little bit of an update because there's not a lot of information out there at the moment one thing I can't give you is the teams so there's no confirmation on the teams. I think there's a pretty loose idea of who's going to be there. But there's going to be six teams from the men, six teams from the women. They're going to play two weekends in a row. And the tournament format is all the teams play each other. So five games and then have a knockout. Like a fir- like the first and second play each other to see who wins. Third and fourth play each other. Fifth and sixth play each other to place themselves. And then they do it all again the next weekend. So just two full tournaments each weekend. Uh, that's the 21st 
and the 28th, those two weeks. What else have I got? It's going to be at the University of the Madrid Stadium. No public allowed, but it's going to be broadcast through World Rugby's channels. And this one's for the kids. It's going to go through Twitch as well. So there's going to be more announcements this week. And then the official tournament launch featuring the mayor of Madrid, no less, is going to happen on the 17th of Feb. So how about that? We're going to get some sevens to watch finally. I've forgotten really what it's jealous. like. I've forgotten what watching a tournament's like, let alone playing in one. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's going to be good. It's going to be good to see some some rugby, some sevens. Also, give us something to talk about rather than some rummaging around at the bottom of the barrel like we normally are. Do you know what? I listen, I listen to the odd other pod occasionally, not because I like them, but just out of professional interest and courtesy. And when there was no rugby a couple of weeks ago in the 15-a-side format, they were like, oh, God, once again, we've managed to produce an unbelievable pod for you, even though there's no rugby to speak of. Like, lads, have you listened to Seventh Heaven for the last 12 months? There has not been one sevens pass thrown in anger and we strung together nearly 30 episodes. Like, that is podding, <laughs> lads. That is podding. I'll, I'll, call it, I'll talk to you about an analogy. When I was, when I just passed my test, I had, I think it was 15 or 20 quid petrol money a week. Full tank was 40 quid. You'd get to Thursday, you'd been out, you'd been seeing your mates. And this is where we're at, at the end of last season, the last tournament. You're out seeing your mates, you're just about on the, you know, you're on the red lines. You, you've, you're on the top of the empty bit. It goes down. It, it says like five miles left on the dash. And that's like coming up towards the start of lockdown. You've hit empty you've hit empty it's on there and we've dragged out another they say 50 miles you can get out of that tank we've dragged another 150 out of the tank we are still rolling around the corner we're cooking on gas we trundle along in fifth gear in the fast lane of the podding world but you know what we can see a service station in the distance now there's a service station in the distance and we're rummaging around inside the ashtray looking for the coins to buy the petrol so that we can we can go again we go again. And you've been glove boxing the whole way as well, Burnsy, and I've been loving it. <laughs> right, should we get Bert's on? <laughs> Let's get her on. Let's get Best Bert's on. She, whenever on. she comes Just on, I feel posh. On, before we get Bert's on, there's been some other rugby going on as well, which has snuck up on us in Australia. They seem to have got their act together as well. They put on a little tournament as well, didn't they? Do you know much about this, Mitch? I, I just, just from what I've seen on Instagram, but there's a, it was like a Queensland team, wasn't it? Like a representative team. And there was a sort of Pacific representative teams, team. And then obviously the Aussie seven lads, sevens lads. I don't know how many games they played or what they did, but it was code. It was rugby in the shortened v- version. So it caught my eye. Do you know what? So it was called the Santos Festival of Rugby. And the, th- the thing I love about this is... It was Hawaiian themed and featured a live DJ set from no other than, sorry, from none other than DJ Dunko. I mean, having had Chucky Stanard on the pod last week and now hearing that the Aussie Sevens pre-Olympic hit out is at the Festival of Sevens with DJ Dunko. It just like sums up what a great nation of people they're about. I'd like to have been there. That could be, that could be the next big stop on the Sevens world calendar going tuning in to dj dunko dj dunko in the hawaiian chats it's basically the aussie sevens international team went to bournemouth sevens at least they're out playing sevens can't we put something together i know 
I know. Well, it feels like we're getting closer. That service station on the horizon. And it looks like it's in Madrid. Gasolina. Right. <laughs> let's 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 get Bert amazing. Let's get Bert's on before we all lose our mind. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Right, Bert's back in the house for Bert's breakdown. What do you reckon of that? Are you feeling that, Bert's? Yeah, I'm liking it. It correlates to the only thing I'm good at on the pitch, which is breakdown. So don't be so harsh to yourself, Bert. So there's people you... like me and you, we bring the physicality. It's not just the breakdown, Bert's. Big right, yourself okay. up. Big old There's Burt's. also no room. There's no room for modesty on this pod. No room this for is, modesty. This is your platform now, Bert. <laughs> you, you, you pump your own tyres up now. All right, okay. Well, Bert's breakdown. I'm liking it. It's catchy. My dad actually said to me, he was like, that is so good. Bert's breakdown. That was the thing that he told me over the phone. He was like, this sounds sick. And I was like, yeah, it does done it, dad. Literally, the compliment that I got. Did he have any other feedback for you, interestingly um, or not? <laughs> I told me to stop saying like on the on the pod he was like i said it again uh, <laughs> is he more northern than you yeah he's really he's really 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 northern like oh i said it again oh no my um my mum she's from a bit of a, a posher area in in leeds but my dad is from like the council council estates there's area. no there's no posh areas could, in leeds that's yeah, not being on the book. there is some posh areas there is some posh areas but <laughs> my um whenever my dad speaks to my mum he, he tries to speak better english but then when when he's round with his mates when he's down at the rugby club or like the working men's club where we go on like christmas day or we go on a weekend i honestly i can't even understand him and, and i'm looking at him thinking oh my gosh who are you you've my dad it's like anymore bibs. It's like Bibbs, he's from, when he comes down here and he meets people, he says he's from Putney. And then as soon as he goes back up north, you're, 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 you're right, lad. How are you? How are you? Yeah, yeah no, not bad yet. Put wood in all. I didn't realise that working men's clubs still existed. I thought they went out with ration books back in the day, but learning something. Oh, I was just going to say, every Christmas, my granddad, we have to go and meet him in the working men's club. And sometimes I'm not even allowed in. They go, who are you with? And I go, I'm, I'm, I'm Danny Burton's daughter. And he's like, all right, get in, get in. Like everyone knows who the Burtons are in the town of Rothwell up north. Like literally you walk into the working men's club, you're like, you look like Danny Burton, you can come in. <laughs> <laughs> is it exclusive? It's an exclusive club, is it? It is, it is exclusive. Like in Rothwell, because everybody knows everybody. And the only reason why people know who I am is because I look like my dad's twin. So I, I think I know you. Danny Burton? Yeah, I'm his daughter. All right, you can come in. Like, literally, that's the only way you're getting into working men's club. <laughs> Do you remember, by the way, when we first got Bert's on the pod two weeks ago and she was a little bit stilted at the start and then we spoke after, she said, oh, do you know what? I'm not sure if I found my flow. I'm pretty sure that Bert's has found her flow now. All right, OK, right. <laughs> let's, let's get into a bit of sevens. OK, so we got JP Barat coming on later. So it feels right to talk about France sevens and their women because they were pretty crash hot last year. They were the only team to beat New Zealand after USA won Glendale. So let's talk France sevens, Bert. Yeah, France, the France sevens women's team is... It's stacked full of all-rounders, to be honest with you. They have players such as Marjorie Mayans, who has now moved across from the 7s to the 15s because she wanted to focus on World Cup. But she is sensational. Work rate, breakdown, physicality. You usually see one of her hits on a highlight reel on the World Rugby 7s Insta page. But yeah, they're just a team of absolute all-rounders. I think when you think about 
the French the French sevens team. You think about uh, Siafani on the wing. You think about Fanny Orta in the middle. You also think about Shannon Izar and then uh, Grassino as well. But the the standout thing about all of them is work rate. I don't think I've I've seen a team on the series who you don't think of that team and think, oh, they've got this pace on the outside or like, it's, it's weird to think about because they're just an all round team. Like they're just hardworking and they gel really, really well together, which is. Do you think that's part of the reason that they're so threatening is because maybe are they underestimated? Do you think on the series or have they been recently? Yeah, I think hundred percent that I think they, I think in the past people underestimate them because they haven't got one of those players who's always talked about on the commentary or always talked about within the system, but they are, they have a team of all rounders who can do everything. And, but the one thing that the French team do bring is physicality. We always know when we're going to come up against the French, it's they're going to be physical at every single breakdown. They're going to be physical in the tackle. And they are actually my favorite team to play against because they're so physical. Like I absolutely love the battle that we have every single time we go on the pitch. And it's always a, a back and forth and, Luckily, we always come out on top when we're in the those high-pressure situations such as um, semi-final in Kitakushu and then semi-final um, qualifying, qualifying for the Olympics. Am I right in saying they've got a few crossover athletes as well in their squad? I think they do. I think they've got some, um, they've got some sprinters who've come across or like, like athletics type athletes who weren't conventionally in rugby to begin with. And then they've transferred across. Um, but at the moment you see a lot of the sevens girls within the 15 setup, the last game that the women played at Twickenham, England won within the, within the last few minutes on a penalty kick, but the England 15s didn't know how to contain the sevens lot. They were, I think there were 10, 15, 13 and one of the wingers were all had all come from the seven setup and they were insane. Like the movement of the ball, just their skill set, their pace on the pitch, that is what sevens is all about. And that is why it's so valuable to cross people over because you you see the French in the 15s, they they're physical, but kind of lack a bit of skill set. But then as soon as you put the sevens in, bam, whole new kettle of fish, whole new kettle of fish. I thought you were going to say something else. There's a whole new kettle of fish. That's okay. I think that's the saying. It is. That is the saying. That is the saying. On the topic of the Six Nations, talking about France, it has been postponed as far as the women are concerned to April. What do you think about that? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? How's that going to influence the build-up for the Olympics for sevens? I think it's a great thing to have the women's tournament as a standalone tournament. I think that... To have it on its own, there's so much more opportunities commercially to just push the game. It won't be overshadowed by the men's Six Nations. I think it is sometimes great to link it when when we can have crowds in. But when when they haven't got crowds in, put it on its own. Get it get it showcased at a different time to the men. But then on the topic of the of the sevens, I I think it's a bit of an unknown at the moment. What how that's going to impact the sevens programs. You've seen, as I said earlier on, one of the French girls, Marjorie, she decided I don't want to have a go at the Olympics this year because France were trying to go to the reportage. Well, they're in the reportage for the sevens. Um, but she put publicly on social media that she just wants to focus on the World Cup. Some some players will be able to do both, will be able to be involved in the Six Nations and in the sevens. Um, but it would just depend what the schedules are like. It obviously benefits the 15s as it's shown having sevens players in. 
I don't know how it will be on the the flip side of it all, though. <clears throat> I don't know as much about the 15s women in France, but they seem to have improved over the last kind of four or five years or World Cup cycles or whatever. And probably in years to come, going to be one of the competitors, uh, I'd imagine, going forward. I don't know. Yeah. I think they're on an upward trajectory. Um, but certainly there's been an improvement in the in the sevens team. But um, is that more linked to the rise of women's rugby in France in general, or is that just the Olympic thing? I think that it's linked to the rise of rise of rugby, rise of rugby in France. Um, you, we've all been to the Marcuse's training center. Like it's unreal. So the Marcuse's training center is where the where the French train. They've got like three pitches there. Um, they've got one pitch, which is inside a stadium. Um, they have players who stay on site. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I, I just, you're just so northern, it makes me laugh. <laughs> the Mar, the, Mar, the Marcuses. Not even, you're, not, you're not even giving it a French twang. That's what what I does can't it even? Marcuses. Marcuses. Well, Marcuse sounds better, doesn't it? I, I've, not I, even, I've never been actually. So this is I, yeah, Marcuse. I think. Um, but yeah, it But it sounds a lot more French than Marcuse. 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 They've got three. They've got, they've got three pitches. Three pitches out back. They've got a cow that brings milk every day. They got even one indoors. <laughs> and it's so hard after the white legs will fall off. See they. Sorry, Burson. <laughs> Basically, the the facilities are just unreal. Really, they and I be, I think that's where the French team are based, the French fifteens and the sevens lot, and they they live. Well, they have hotels on site. That's where we've stayed when we've been there before, and everything's just condensed together. It's like a it's like a little bubble, and you don't actually need to leave it. There's everything on there. To my knowledge. The French put a lot of money into their women's setup, regardless of when, when they didn't qualify for the Olympics and they they qualified for the reportage. They had a full camera team out there in Russia, documenting their whole like journey all the way up to the final or the semi-final, which is what they got to. And we were thinking, oh gosh, that'd be bad if they didn't win and they've brought all these media people out with them. <laughs> and that's and I was like, oh gosh, but um. You're telling me you felt bad when you beat them in the no, semi, yeah? No, didn't feel bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're going to reap the rewards of putting money into the women's setup, which is what they have done in France. And that's why they're now one of the top contenders, I believe. Speculate to accumulate, as the old saying goes. Right. Speaking of a bit of media coverage, should we uh, hate on some trolls who were getting into Maggie Alfonsi and Nolly Waterman at the weekend who were pundits and co-commentators on ITV's coverage of the Six Nations? On social media, there's been some comments thrown about about Maggie and about Nolly's comment- commentary skills, um, but not based upon their actual commentary skills, but based upon that they're women. Um, and I think that... If people want to have a dig at people on social media because they've got nothing else to do, then do what you want. Do you know what I mean? But there's no need. And if and if you think their commentary is bad, then be critical from a from an objective point of view that's about yeah. commentary and not about the fact that they're a woman. Not the fact that they're women, or not the fact that they're ex players. Because a lot of people have been coming through saying, "Oh, they're just ex players wanting to stick their noses in." But actually, some of the best commentators men are ex-players who I'd talk, say the majority are 
Yeah, who talk yeah, really nice though, yeah. who talk really critically about the game and they're really, really great at it. But I would never sit here and if I listen to Gareth Thomas talk about talk about rugby, but in a bit a pretty naff way that I thought, I'm not gonna sit here and go, Oh yeah, it's because he's a bloke that he's talking really rubbish. Like I'd just say, Oh, well that that's not a correct assessment of that play or whatever. Um but the fact is that they're saying it it's because they're women, which uh, I I don't really understand. Like I'm, it, it honestly baffles me. It is, isn't it? It is baffling. Like when it's, when you see people who are so backward, and I, I think that's probably quite an appropriate word. When they're, they're just highlighting the fact that women, so they shouldn't be in that scenario, it is ridiculous. But interestingly, I also think people that criticise some of the female commentators from a you know like a an objective commentating point of view are also doing that sort of from the place of because they're women um like uh, i think it's valid that you should have ex-players doing those roles doing the punditry roles because players have had an insight into the game that not you know most people don't have so i think there is value in that and that's not not me trying to secure like a career after rugby for (laughs) us three but like uh, there is value in it whether you're a man or a woman obviously those women i mean they should never have to deal with trolls like that but generally speaking you see quite a few uh, other players or whatever standing up for what's right it seems though it'd be great to see like the broadcasters or the channels that they were working on or uh you know the national teams really speaking out against people and like i don't know i don't know whether that gives them more airtime and gives them attention which is probably what half them are after but well, this is, this is it. I wonder. So I investigated the accounts that had trolled Nolly and Maggie and either their accounts have been deleted, which kind of shows the level of, of cowardice behind these people. But also, you know, it's three or four or five people out of, I think it was like eight million people watching the England-Scotland game at the weekend. Do you bother giving these people the airtime? They are a tiny, tiny drop in an ocean of supporters. I know that it's it's a small seed that we need to get out, but by giving it the air coverage, does it give them the satisfaction? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one because a lot of the movements that have been happening at the moment, um, the the I Care movement and the Enough campaign, that it's, it's literally been some comments by two or three people on Twitter or on social media or on like um, the Sky Sports post about the Six Nations. Um, it's, it's just a few comments by certain people that I think they represent a wider, a wider thing that even though there are a few people, this is something that in the women's game, we have, we've ha- it's happened for so, so many years now. So then when we have these comments that come through, we're at the point of like, it, we've had enough about it and that's what why when we see these comments we we put them out there and go well it's wrong because i think unless people get told that it's wrong then they'll never know but then i also see the other side of it saying why should you give attention to these people because that's what they want i see two sides of the story but it's also like you gain a lot of momentum when you speak about stuff like this um and it just helps develop the profile of the women's game that we still have to deal with these comments, but people are getting better with not saying it because it's being brought upon, if that makes sense. Um, by highlighting it, you're making people think about the impact of, or, or their own views around the women's game, whether that's playing 
you know, who's talking about it on TV or whatever. Um, I think even people who aren't going on Twitter and saying negative things probably have some negative thoughts about it just because you hear them and you see them. And I'm sure, Abby, you've seen way more of it, like undoubtedly. But um, that's why I think it might be a good idea to highlight it because it shifts a broader mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. Very, very quickly, but... Exeter turned over Quinns this weekend at Sandy Park. They've done Sarries. They've done Quinns. Are they going to win the league? Oh, oh, that's a, that's a big one to start off with. Oh, I don't think they're going to win the league. I think Wasps are going to win the league. That's my answer to that one. But that in two weeks they've overturned the number one and number two. Like wow, they scored within the first three minutes of the Exeter Harlequins game, and. They didn't. They on the only points that they conceded were penalties. The the six points it was seven six. The only points that they conceded were two pen, penalty kicks, um, which made it six. And they scored and got the conversion. I, I'm talking like it's not. <laughs> I like that's what we need. But thanks for the breakdown. We always have the most educated listeners. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> it's because I felt rushed. <laughs> um, but yeah, wow, like unreal. And though. They'll be playing us at the start of March, so we'll see what the the number three on the table. So they've done number one, number two, but they ain't going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you'll be back then, Berts. Yes, no. Hopefully, yeah. I think I think I might be. That might be the. I don't want to speak too soon, but that might be the first or the the second game back. So maybe. Speak positively, and it will happen. Into the pod wishing well. <laughs> right, Bert, it's been a pleasure as always. We're going to see you next week. See you next week. Bye. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Hey, it's always good to hear from Bert, isn't it? She, she makes me feel quite posh whenever I hear her speak. Um, Favourite part is loving her describing that um, six points is actually two penalties. She's breaking it down for the listeners. That's what, that's what she said. Look, on that, on that last topic, have you boys ever experienced any trolling? I imagine, Chippy, you've done the trolling, but I'm asking, have you been trolled? And how do you boys no. feel about it? Hey, I have, honestly, apart from, I think apparently I called Jamie George fat when I was at Worcester or something on Twitter because Ella's told me when he came to, to Sevens that I said, how is he a professional rugby player? Because <laughs> he's Darb's hanging out his shirt or something, which obviously I don't remember saying, and I checked my Twitter and I couldn't find it. So I don't know if that's Spice. Um, I've never, no, I don't think I've ever done any trolling. But I've been I've been trolled, yeah. Like I can't remember, I can't remember what game it was. One of the sevens ones, and someone messaged me like, but they messaged me off like two or three accounts, pretty much the same message. Uh, and it was really weird. I blocked him. In fact, I had a couple of beers, so I'd sent him a couple of messages back, then blocked him in the morning. Uh, no, not really. Not that nothing that nothing that stands out. Um, I, don't, I I doubt any or many male rugby players have probably dealt with it in the same way that women do. Do you reckon? I I. I I don't know. I just think it's the history as well, isn't it? It's growing up with like having the anti-female rugby attitude probably makes it makes it much worse. Would be my guess. But yeah, I've been. I guess I've been fortunate. Dodged the abuse, or or maybe just blocked it out. <laughs> maybe it's in a little box in my mind somewhere. It's just ready to open and haunt me. Yeah, when you get on the therapist couch and they hypnotise you and it all comes pouring out, it's going to be ugly scenes. It was just that po- positive memories of the time when we were walking through um, Wellington one night after we hadn't done too well in the tournament and we weren't drinking because we had a tournament the next week. Uh, and this guy got, shouts over to the group of us. He goes, Mitchell, Mitchell. And we, and we all look over and he goes, 
You the man. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. So I think the message is uh, fuck those trolls and uh, no one wants you. So that's the message. Yeah, uh, they are so dull, actually. It fires me. I'm getting fired up again now, Burns. Yeah, sorry, yeah, move go on. on. Go on, Mitch. We just need on. to get rid of them. We just need to educate, actually. We need to educate. That's what it is. Right. Time for our main guest today. He's been a pod favourite for a long time and he's a bit of a legend in France. He just hit 100 top 14 games. He won the European Challenge Cup in 2011 playing for Biarritz. He's now doing it for one of the biggest teams in Europe, Clermont Auvergne. But first and foremost, he is the captain of France 7s, JP Barak in 7th Heaven. Bonjour, mon ami. Bonsoir. Bonjour. Ça Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Jean-Pascal Brat. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh, by the way, when you say his full name, because the number of times we've joked about what your possible options of your name are, because obviously oh, we JP know you as JP. Yeah. JP but we couldn't good. remember what, your, what, your, what that stood for, what that was for. We'll go with JP. You're a pod legend. We sprinkled the stardust on you. And then since then, what's happened? You've played for France. You've played for Clermont. You're on a uh, you, big money deal. Massive money at Clermont. <laughs> you're the, the, the king, the king of Clermont now. So, JP, no. you're welcome. Thank you. No, it was a good opportunity for me. And uh, when uh, everyone at seven come from uh, the 15. So me, uh, I don't. I like the 15 since I was young. So I don't want to stop at the 15. And uh, even now, when uh, for now I'm at 15, so I don't want to stop seven. It's the same. So, and uh, I had this opportunity, and uh, I took, and now I, I don't regret. I know uh, at the end of the season, I uh, come back at seven to do the repêchage, and uh, hope. To do the Olympic Games, and how are the team at the moment? With obviously no sevens to play for so long, the guys who are still playing sevens and guys like you who are going to go back and play in that repechage, how's everyone feeling about it? With not knowing what's going to happen with sevens. Uh, so in France, so all the players who have contract with seven uh, train with the French team, French team uh, of fifteen. So they prepare the Six Nations with the with the French team of uh, fifteen, and uh, if they need some player to do a position or something like that, they they took on the sevens and uh, they train together and uh, to prepare cool. to prepare well. The, yeah, it's cool. Good uh, good spirit between the both team. and uh, and uh, sevens continue to do some camp alone. To work a really sp uh, specific uh, rugby seven, and I think uh, at the end of the this month there are two tournaments in uh, Spain, so it's good because uh, every player continue to run and uh, together to keep the team and prepare the repechage. And um, if you had to pick someone to go on a date with, would it be Stefan Perez or Tom Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's 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 be, who's better looking? Because they both they they dress the same. They've got the same hairdo. They play the same yeah. position. They're both five foot two. 
Uh, I think Tom Mitchell is starting his year uh, earlier than uh, Steph Harris, no? Tough. Yeah, you're right. I'm the obvious answer, JP. That's all you need to say. Just say, you remember whose podcast you're on here, okay? You can say me if you want. Do you, do you still speak to the guys or are you too, are you too big time? I don't know what the French equivalent of big time is, but now that you're in the 15s team, do you still talk to the sevens guys or have you left them behind? Yeah. Yeah. It's like every week as a coach of sevens. So you call me every time to, to have some news and, uh, it's like with a WhatsApp. So we have a group, uh, and we continue to speak a lot. I mean, uh, but, I'm the captain since one year and a half, so I continue to speak with the boys and uh, and to keep the to to keep the spirit uh, with the team. I don't want to to leave them. And and what's it like? What's it like being at Clermont, like surrounded by big stars and like massive big people as well? Um, have you en- have you enjoyed it? Is it bi- how different is it? Do you feel even quicker now you're at fifteens? Compared, because you were running around people in sevens, stepping people, and so now fifteens people are there's some big, big donkeys. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, in Clermont the spirit is really good. When I arrived, and uh, they were already Tavite in this team, so Veredamo. so it was easier for me to 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 come uh, to came on the team, and I had uh, some friends who. Who played um, under 18, 19, under 20. So, uh, like Sebastian Bezi, same age of me, and uh, Sebastian Vamina too. So, it was easier to come on the team. And uh, yes, I feel good uh, when I arrived because my preparation was uh, already good and I was ready to play uh, straight straight on the, on the field. And uh, yeah, I watch every time the statistic, and uh, it's me uh, at all the game. I run uh, more than everyone. Sometimes uh, one kilometer, so I don't know what I do, but uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I run like a chicken everywhere. <laughs> 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 and it's better to play uh, with uh, George Moala. It's easier. He's so good on the center. He's co- he's quality. Oh, yeah. He break every time uh, the line. So me, I'm waiting. <laughs> How would you feel about Alavaretti Raka coming in and playing some sevens for France? Yeah, maybe. But uh, well, every Fijian player is good at seven, so uh, I say to uh, um, to my coach of seven, Jérôme Daré, I say to him, uh, "Oh, if you want some player here, I can see two player who is really good for seven. I think." It's Ali, Ali Veretti Raka and uh, Damian Pono because uh, Pono is fast. Maybe sometimes he's a faster speed. It's 37, like uh, Raka. And he's really good on the air. So uh, he's big. So it's very good to have maybe a prop like that. The boys don't like the sound of this because last year in 2020, you guys had a pretty good season. You had some really strong results. Uh, you got really close in Hamilton in the final against New Zealand. I know you had some big battles with England. Why was there such a big improvement for France last year? I don't know, but uh, maybe the spirit is better than before. And uh, when I when I arrived in the, at Sevens, so uh, I think the player... Uh, 
or used to lose. I don't know if it's good English. I used to lose. So when we finish the tournament, it's good because we finish earlier. We can start the party earlier. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, now now it's hard because uh, it's the end of the day. Uh, we have to to go straight on the strong alcohol. But uh, it's okay. You guys, <laughs> you guys still seem to manage pretty well, even when you guys are hitting finals. You still manage to make the most of the party. So. Seems like you get the best of both worlds now. It's a part of seven the party, so we have to be good there too, eh? And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, at the party we uh, our target is the top three, maybe top three of the team. We want to in the party <laughs> to to be on the yeah. No, but no. Uh, yeah, so the player were not angry when they lost. So uh, me, uh, I can't accept that. So uh, I try to move the player, and uh, even uh, before the game, the player were really stressed. Stress. It's like um, they they took too much pressure on 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 them, and uh, maybe they already play on the game on the changing room before the game. So it was hard and. Uh, so it's like uh, I like to put some uh, bullshit song to be uh, enjoy and uh, something like that and uh, and not thinking about the the game coming. So we try to change this with a lot of work on the field, but of course with the coach and uh, and even uh, the spirit was not really good. It's like if someone uh, lost a tackle, no one uh, really fight to to. Uh, but to to help him, and now uh, when someone missed a tackle, everyone wants to help him and tackle the guy. So it, the spirit change, and uh, we like that. Yeah, that makes yeah, it makes loads of sense. Yeah, I bet that's a more enjoyable environment to be a part of. Did you see that last season, guys? There was a there was a definite switch with with the French team. And I just thought it was because players like yourself and Veradami were playing so well that people, the rest of your team were watching and thinking, right, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to get involved. I need to get behind this guy. I need to follow Veradami into, into breakdowns, like get the offload away. Um, we, I kind of just thought they were feeding off your energy. Um, but to hear that you've like relaxed them and like pushing fo- they're pushing forward and there's a bit more accountability in the team, it's, it's really like, interesting. It makes sense. I was going to say there's quite a few of you guys that have probably played for a couple of years together as well by this point, like um, the same uh, the same players for maybe one or two years, which then suddenly you all start to work together a bit better. Yeah, and uh, so before we were really good, not really good, but a good team, uh, so seven players, and we don't have a really good bench. So uh, the coach sometimes uh, never changed the team. And uh, we were tired too at the end of the tournament. And now uh, we trust on the player. We trust more on us. And uh, of course, it's easier to play with Tavite because uh, he's strong, fast, and uh, he helped the team. But uh, at Hong Kong, we were not there, even at Vancouver. And we did a final too. And uh, so the spirit is, is better. And uh, Tavite, of course, on the strong game, he, easier and uh, it's easier we give the ball and we follow him but uh, it's like a Fujian player they can do everything yeah 
Yeah, nice to have nice to have him. Um obviously you're the you're the captain JP of the team, but who are the other guys I'm interested? Who are the other guys who are like uh leaders in that in your team? The guys that might help you. Uh so when I'm not here, normally I think the coach uh, choose uh, Jonathan Logel, but he don't speak uh, really on the on the group. He just uh, people who work a lot uh, outside the uh, outside uh, alone or on the field so it's like uh, an uh, example French French Ellery yeah. well, very I think so <laughs> maybe and uh, but uh, he doesn't like the party like Ellery so uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good and, good, uh... good insight though. that's good insight <laughs> and um uh... Maybe uh, Terry Burawa have a, like um, spirit when he speak, everyone listen him and something like that. Marvin O'Connor with his uh, experience too, so we listen him and uh, sometimes he's crazy on the changing room or on the field, but uh, it's he when he don't feel good the team he he is he. Uh, he He's coming hot and boom, explosion. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Hello, hello. 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 Ah, ça va? Ça va, Marlon? Oui. Oui. Hey. Allez, va dormir. Bah, c'est comme ça, sorry. Yeah, for no, sure. It's, that's fine. That's fine. It's no worries. Is this is this a future is this a future rugby star, by the way? Yeah, I try. Uh, he already uh, tackled me, so, uh, but he's young. Marlon, <laughs> you've been playing in the centres and you've been playing fullback. What's your favourite position in fifteens? That's a bit of a boring question. Uh, I like to change, but uh, I play uh, most. If I play a lot at centre, but uh, I like to play ten too. 15 is good, but I prefer to play uh, center and, uh, and 10. Even uh, every time we play against England, so the Six Nations or Four Nations, sometimes I play 10 against, uh, they were already uh, Farrell and uh, George Ford. They were already a good team, so it was hard to play against England every time. Huh? Can imagine. I think there's a lot to be said for bouncing around different positions, like not just for young players, but I think it's good for to keep your development, keep your, your kind of keep your guessing as well, and you learn better. Um, look, mate, you've done, you've obviously come off the back of being one of the superstars on the World Seven series, and very quickly it seems you found your feet and were very good at Clermont, and then all of a sudden we were seeing you playing for the Fifteens team, and you and you were doing very well in that as well. What, what is it do you think that makes you very successful at transitioning very quickly from sevens, doing well, 15s, club level, international? Mm, uh, so uh, when I play seven, every time I watch the game at 15, so I never cut with the 15. And I have a lot of friends who play at top 14, so I like to watch and uh, watch my friend to play. And uh, it's like when I arrived in uh, in Clermont-Ferrand, so uh, the coach were really good uh, for me. They helped me. They they trust me. So it was easier to play when you have your the trust. 
then you don't feel good. So we, uh, yeah, I like 15 and me, I want to be ready fast on the field. So I, at every, uh, I, it's like uh, when I arrive at my house, uh, in Clermont-Ferrand, I do some homework. I try to 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 know every tactic, everything, and after on the field, I play free and uh, like that. I know everything, and I'm free to play uh, with the structure and the coach every time. Trust me. Um. Hey, JP. So, uh, there is Chip. Can you correct me on my pronunciation? Marcusis, Marcusa. Oui. Marcusis. Marcusi. Marcusi. But before that, there's Madrid sevens, which he said that I think that the France are going to go to. And then you got the repechage in June in Monaco. So are you going to yes. play? Are you going to play in all those tournaments? And what do you think about the opposition at the repechage? Who are the who are the teams that you think we got to beat those guys? So uh, just uh, I think they are really uh, just two teams really good who can uh, beat them. Beat us, sorry, but uh, it's like uh, uh, the Irish guys and the Samoa. But I think the Samoa continue to train, so it will be hard for for us. I don't know about the situation of the Irish guys. I don't know if they train together or they only train. Uh, I think it, I think it's separate. I think it's separate at the moment. Because ah, yeah. they're in I a full lockdown. Uh, yeah. I think the federation is uh, complicated for. The Irish about seven, I think so. I'm not sure. So it's a good opportunity for for us to continue to work well and go to to this repechage. And it's like in it will be in Monaco, so it's in France. So it's like a second second thing who is good for for us. And uh, me, I know uh, I will not do the end end of the end of the season of uh, with Clermont. So even if they play the quarterfinal, semifinal, I don't do the, I don't do that. I, uh, I'm going to do the um, preparation for the sevens. Was that a tough call to make? But uh, so I signed to June to Clermont, and uh, it's like if the seven never restart like that, I can uh, finish the season with Clermont. And uh, but normally I have to come back. I don't know when, but maybe in May to do the preparation or something like that. It was uh, the both both choice is a good opportunity. So yeah, of course it's hard, and uh, I hope uh, I will play some uh, final uh, with Clermont in the next year. I don't know. Nice options to have, to be fair. JP, what do you think of the shirt Burnsy's got up? <laughs> it's really good but maybe hard but uh, it's really good <laughs> yeah I like to see that <laughs> it's it's old like me JP <laughs> yeah it's a player who play with that or you you buy there is there's a story that I can't repeat about how I got this shirt <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> it's it's like the same stories that we won't ask you to tell JP about the um, parties after the tournaments <laughs> oh okay <laughs> <laughs> JP, for parties after the tournaments, who are the people you like to have a drink with and who are the people from other teams that you think you should avoid? <laughs> uh, you, Chippy. He's going to say you. He likes to have a drink with me. I know uh, he does. I want to do a party with uh, Lewis Holland. No? With oh, who? Lewis Holland. <laughs> Holland. <laughs> yes. yes. 
I like to do party with uh, some England player because every time when we go out, uh, you are here, so it's good. And uh, we don't meet a lot the other team, huh? so uh, it's good to do a party with uh, with you. Every time I meet uh, Ellery, uh, he already drank before the end of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I have a story. I have a story about him. So it was at Cape Town. Yeah, he did a party. Uh, we were maybe just uh, two or three players of French team, and uh, he maybe I think he arrived alone on the party. So he were already drunk because he were injured uh, at his shoulder. It was maybe three years ago, or two years ago. Yeah, uh, I think he yeah kept down. He broke his shoulder or something like that. So he drink beer all the day, and he came, he came with us. So I give him a strong uh, Jack Daniel and Coke. So he drinks straight. Maybe after two minutes, he tried to hide uh, behind the stair and he vomit, but uh, vomit like, I don't know if you see the movie, scary movie. It's all about the party. Yeah, you know when yeah. you said you know when you said that uh, the French ambition is to be top three for the party. After the stories that you've just been telling, I feel that you want to be the English when it comes to the party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure anyone wants that. JP, one thing that we got to ask uh, while you're here, because I know that all our listeners are going to be really interested in it, is Virami Vakatawa, because people who didn't watch Sevens have then seen him just explode for Racing and for France now. Uh, I mean, can you just tell us what a freak of nature this guy is? Yeah, well, Vakatawa, it's like, uh, he's uh, shy. But uh, yeah, he's shy. Like, uh, it's a good singer and a really good guy because uh, if, if, you need, if you need something, he's already uh, here. You can text him, he answer every time. Or oh, it's not uh, the same for everyone. And uh, yeah, it's easier to play with him because me, I just do one tournament with him. It was in Paris, uh, I think, four years ago. And he was not uh, like ready to play. He didn't do really good preparation because uh, he played at 15. And uh, he just come for the, this tournament. And uh, and he's strong. He likes to do to play the space. And he don't play for him. He, he likes to create space and do offload. So he, yeah, he likes to work for the other guy. For that, uh, I think it's for that he's a really good player. Because he don't think about him, he before he think about the other, and if he have opportunity, of course, of course, he will take this opportunity. But uh, yeah, before he, it's like Teddy Thomas, maybe with Racing uh, Metro, maybe like fifty percent of his tries, uh, he can say thanks to to Vakatawa, and uh, I think that Teddy Thomas knows that. So it's a good spirit between them, and they know. Uh, he maybe know how we play and uh, and the same for Vakatawa. I I don't know if he if we if he will come back at seven because uh, of course the French team at, at fifteen want him but uh, and uh, maybe uh, Racing Metro if they play some uh, quarter final or something like that uh, need him too. 
But uh, if he if he want to come, uh, he likes the seven because every time he asks us. But uh, if if he want to come back, I think he, there will no problem to for that. Is there possibility? Is there possibility for some of the 15s players to come back to sevens? Has that been discussed? Yeah, of course. The, the possibility after, but before they have to do like preparation with us. I think there are something like uh, you have to do two tournaments. I don't know if they continue that for the Olympic Games, but uh, because it will be hard this year, there are not a tournament. So I don't know what happened about this rule. And uh, yeah, it's but it's harder to come uh, 15 to 7 than 7 to 15 because uh, you can, when you come from 7 and play 15, you are ready to play, your, your cardio is good. Your physique is good, but when you you come at 15, you have to do some preparation before before to play seven. So they can't come like that, uh, like that to seven. They have to do like maybe two or three weeks to prepare for for that. So it's like the schedule is hard to 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 mix with uh, the player of 15. Nice, perfect. Nice. I know the coach of uh, and the manager of a French team. They are like a rule. They choose uh, two guys on every team, like uh, maybe one professional, one uh, espoir. And if the coach is agree, he say, "Oh, you can choose him and him." And uh, they are good uh, spirit for that. And uh, if the French team call him, they can't uh, they can't uh, block him. That's cool. Mm, interesting. And yeah, it's there are something like that in French. It's a, it's a rule on the contract or on the on the league. That's that's cool. Like it. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, really good. We should we need we need that over here actually. Um, right. Look, I'm I'm conscious that uh, your boy wants you for a bedtime story, JP. It was nice that he made a guest appearance in Seventh Heaven as well. JP, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. We'd love chatting to you. No, you. Thanks for asking me. It's really cool. I have to say, it's been cool watching you do your thing and get so much success with Claremore and with the national team as well. So keep it going, man. Keep it going. And we'll see you on a sevens field, hopefully not too long. <laughs> one night in heaven, one night in heaven. Fair play for doing, Mate, how doing good? an interview in, in English. How good? Obviously, we weren't going to be doing a... Obviously, we weren't going to be speaking French for much of it. So he knew what he was signing up to, but fair play. Yet another man who shares my sevens playing values with great emphasis on the party. (laughs) (laughs) Fair play to JP. He's had a hell of a season so far. Like last year, we spoke about him tearing up the sevens and then transitioning to 15 so successfully. um, Like Mitch touched on it, kind of asking him what he did well. I think he was modest in the fact that the things he brings to the 15s field is pace, footwork and vision. Like when you watch him play, he's always finding space. He's always getting through through the line and his support lines are so good. Yeah, he's absolutely torn it up in 15s as he, as he was in 7s and as he often does on the putty as well. The putty. Uh, good, good lad all round. Yeah, good lad putty. all round. Do, do you know what I thought was the interesting thing was when you asked about what the sevens boys are up to, 
and he said that they are with the France 15s side preparing for the Six Nations in and around that and the synergy that was really interesting it is interesting and at the same time I'm like a two, I'm in two, two sides of it like the French way of it is it I think it could be cool could be amazing they're chucking the ball around going against the French 15s team but if I was doing this for England 7s against the England 15s team I know exactly how it would be used and I would have no interest in it I'm not holding the bag and getting smoked by all these big time 15s lads who are on 10 times what I've 10 times what I could earn in a whole year and they get it a month like I've got zero interest in doing that and that's what I think the problem is in in England because we would definitely just be bag holders and getting smashed in fact I think Mitch correct me if I'm wrong but I think we've sent young lads to training at Penny Hill before and they've come back the next day and they're like oh my god I've been smoked in a breakdown they've not like done anything that's constructive to their rugby development all they've done is been used as a body to get smashed so like as as cool as it does sound Burnsy at the same time I'm like "Mm, maybe not for me yeah it depends if it's going to be it's great if it's going to be mutually beneficial has to be mutually beneficial. But I get the impression, I mean, I've seen it on, um, I actually saw that on a couple of their Instagram pages that they'd all been training together and it looked pretty cool. You know, they were doing like opposed stuff. Uh, it didn't look like they were just holding bags. Not that they're going to put pictures up on Instagram of you holding a bag, but <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it was good and it looked like they were kind of in the mix together. And at least the part of anything else, it keeps it fresh. It keeps them playing, training against other people, which is not a uh, not something that's that readily available. You, you say that, but in my first week, uh, second week, sorry, at Harlequins, um, I got sent by four or five different people a picture, zoomed in four or five times, and it's me stood on the back of a scrum machine as added weight. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got sent it. So yeah, they, they do put stuff with people holding pads and being weights mm. on scrum machines. Um, the other thing as well was the, that bit at the end that the French coach gets to select two players from each top 14 side, uh, an established player and an espoir. So the espoirs are like, they're not quite the academy, they're the development, uh, I guess like the reserves in football equivalent. And if they then, they track them throughout the season and then if they want them, then the top 14 coaches are allowed to block them. I mean, that is, I love that. Yeah, it's one of the, the big issues that we've talked about over here is the breakdown in communication or relations between sevens as a program and, and the premiership clubs. We've just never had that relationship where we've been able to make that work. Now, I don't know whether, was this something that the French rugby union set out as, and, and those are rules that they laid out or it, it, cause it does seem over there that they've got it pretty good. I mean, look how fluidly their players are allowed, able to go between sevens and fifteens between the clubs and the national team. Um, you know, they had Vakatawa was dual contracted between sevens and fifteens for a while. So he was contracted to the union, which is different from a lot of players. So they've got different ways of working things. It seems seems to work. It makes sense anyway. Do you know what I feel a bit bad about bringing up the English's perceived idea that the French are really unprofessional. But which is obviously you know, it's a bit of a hangover of an of an old view and books we've read and stories that you've heard. But then when you hear about how married up the sevens are with the 15 side and then they seem to have a pretty decent relationship with the top 14 with regards to release of players, it makes us look like a joke shop in comparison to them. Yeah, 100%. Like um, the old laissez-faire attitude, like 
has kind of been summed up by Brack when he's saying about not doing recovery and then if you want to do it, you can do it. As long as you're feeling good, do what you want. But then at the same time, like as Mitch touched on, the, the relationship between 15s clubs and 7s, like it kind of summed up where where the, the state of not only like the relationship, but the attitude was from 7s players to 15s when, when England 7s got made redundant and the, the programme ended. Um, that we struggled the majority of the lads struggled to get into 15s clubs whereas you'd think if the sevens play the sevens contracts ended in france then maybe because they've already got that existing relationship it might be a bit easier for those lads i mean it's all speculation but well it's also i know what jp said and it's only one example but uh the coach at clermont being understanding like appreciating where he was coming from appreciating his skill set you know, helping him learn and do what he needed to do so that he could transition really quickly. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what your experiences have been, Chip, and you don't have to comment on it for what it's like at Quinn's, but I know for a fact that, that that kind of attitude wouldn't come from all the premiership coaches or DORs. Like, that's just, you know, from hearing what people's stories are like. I I can only I can only speak from my experience at Quinn's and, like, the brief experience at Worcester and Leicester, they both pretty much perceived sevens as a kind of like a lesser sport and not as hard but the coaches at Quinns have been really supportive of, of the sevens and said like because obviously I've mentioned that if there is a possibility to do the Team GB stuff they've said yeah like go and do it um, like we like it'd be great for you to go and do it like we appreciate how much it means to you and like they I think they know that it moulds you as like being a better player and I think the kind of thing that's helped them see that was the like the quality of like Will people like Will Edwards who's at Quinns now who's coming in and they've seen him and they've think, thought right he's actually pretty bloody good, um so it's like open their eyes. I not not uh, not me. I th- I thought he was gonna be like, do you know what's you know what's like sort of turned the tide at Quinns is that bloody Richard de Carpentier has come in and he's blown their socks off, carries tackles, work rate, fitness. <laughs> I feel no, for me the only that I've changed the game for England sevens players in the Premiership. No, it's 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 Will Edwards who's <laughs> stepping people, throwing naughty passes in training, and being really fit. That's that's um, changed their perception. Not me doing really well in a morning session. Right, last thing, last thing on France before we send our listeners off back into reality for one more week is um, is Harry Glover. Pro D2 over in France. You mentioned about England Sevens players struggling to pick up contracts. He's gone over to France and there's been a video of him scoring a bit of a worldie of a try in Pro D2 where he rounds the fullback. Yeah, it, obviously it does help when your old man owns a, a, a rugby agency, but yeah, nope, he's um, he's doing really well um, out in Carcassonne. Uh, came in as a medical joker, interesting fact for you. So because he's wearing number seven, it's because he signed as a medical joker for a back row who got injured. So now in every game he has to wear seven, even though he's playing 12 or 13. He's smashing it up out there, he's doing really well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah he's tearing up, isn't he? It is... It's so good because what an experience. If you're Harry Glover's age, or has he come out of uni a year or two, played some sevens, done really well, going out, getting that experience in France, but also showcasing how good he is as well. Like getting that shot in 15s in a, in a foreign country, wherever, showing that he can mix it and do the business. Yet another example. He's a quality player and like he's a kind of freak in the, in the fact that he's 
six foot three, six foot four. He's heavy. He's quick. He's got hands the size of dinner plates. He's like he's kind of your all round athlete, and he he fits in so well with the kind of French style of play, like offloading and just getting through. He's kind of your English Virgin. Bit of a Gronkowski, right, lads? That has been an absolute pleasure. JP Baraka, man, that we've wanted to get on fuss since we started the pod to be honest and he has delivered boys a pleasure as always we're going to be back next week where we're going to be talking about all things madrid sevens in the run-up to that tournament but until next time from all of us up in seventh heaven up in the clouds it is adios city bye